Before we begin the episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on my new book, Aspire to Lead, which I'm excited to let you know is coming out this fall. For those who are interested in reading at least the first chapter, I'm going to be releasing that to my newsletter subscribers. So if you haven't done so and want to get a glimpse of my new book, Aspire to Lead, then you may sign up at joshdamper.com. This week, I'm really excited to have Chris Leglider on the Aspire podcast. He is a middle school principal in the Kansas City area, and we have been connected not only on social media, but in our Aspire Voxer group, and I can't wait for him to share a little bit on how to build leaders on the campus and build off of everyone's strengths. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Josh. I'm so excited to join you, and uh, the Aspire podcast is one that uh, I listen to, and I value what it brings for my journey, so thank you for having me here today. Well, Chris... I want to thank you also because you bring a lot of value to our Aspire Boxer group. And that was one way that we got connected. And and I love a lot of the amazing things that you put in there as far as referencing what you do every single day as a principal. And I can't wait to hear about how you develop leaders. But before we do that, will you just share with the listeners about your leadership journey? Sure. Uh, This is beginning my 26th year in education. So I've been 25 years as an educator and it's gone so fast. And as I, as I think back, you know, I really value the experiences that I've had, the people I've had the chance to work with. 11 of those years were as a classroom teacher. I was a high school science teacher. Some of those years were in a rural school. Others were in a uh, suburban district, three different districts in total. And that gave me some varied experiences and, and great insights into how schools can function I am in now in my 14th year. I just finished my 14th year as an administrator and uh, five of those years being a middle school principal. So beginning year six as a middle school principal and those uh, previous years, uh, the 14 years, some were the high school assistant role and uh, some at the middle level. Uh, and now I find myself leading a middle school and it brings a uh, great joy some challenges, but I really enjoy the people that I work with and what they bring and together we can create for our students. So it, it's a it's a fun journey, no doubt. Chris, you talked about the challenges, right? So we're in the midst of beginning a brand new school year. What are some of the main focal points that you're honing in on as your staff is coming back to campus? Well, I think, you know, as a building principal, one thing I always want to make sure I do is value our people as they come back, uh, make sure I find times and in a way to visit with each of them, hear how their summer went and appreciate them for who they are as a person, validate what they bring to our school. So I think, you know, understanding the importance of building our people is really, really important. Um, I think every year has different challenges, and I think right now none of us know what the next few weeks will bring or the next few months. So the more that we can focus on what we can control, you know, through our own efforts, our attitudes, and our behaviors, and just kind of uniting our staff together. I think last year our staff did a tremendous job. Our district did a tremendous job navigating unforeseen circumstances, and I think that's due because the people you know, rallied with and for each other. And we need to do that again because our obstacles will be different, but the results still want to be focused on what's best for kids. And so the more that we can have one or two goals as a building and we can unite together and have a positive school culture that supports our kids, that's my aim and our purpose the first few days as our staff come back. 
so you talked about campus culture and I, I love that because I think that's one thing that's lost, especially for new principals. I think that's something that you learn through experience. As you've gone through your journey as a principal, what did campus culture look like when you first started as a principal versus where you are now? Yeah, so the building I, I had the chance to step into, I would say at first I was really just surprised at the, there were great educators there, but I was surprised at the student opportunities for leadership was not at the level that I expected. Parent engagement, I want parent engagement to be at a high level. The faculty, I think, were very talented, but I don't know if they felt empowered to help be the change. And so over the course of the last five years, we have really tried to work with our staff to make sure we give them opportunities to listen to what are their strengths, understand what do they bring to our school, and give them opportunities to directly lead, whether it's staff professional development or other ways on our building leadership team, but then also find ways for our students to step out of their comfort zone learn some leadership, help make our school really a student-centered school, and then really working with our staff to connect with our parent community to increase that family engagement is something I think we've done a really a tremendous job over time. And even last year during the pandemic, really just proud of our teachers and how they found ways to connect to parents, sharing concerns, but also the positives about their child. And I think those three areas, the family engagement, student leadership, staff empowerment, that has allowed our school to really be a school that's focused on kids and together a, a very strong school community. Yeah, Chris, empowerment is a very powerful word for leadership. And that reminds me of a conversation that we had in the Voxer group where we were talking about developing leaders on our campus. And you brought up some really key questions that I thought were just amazing. I think several people were like, man, Chris, you need to write a blog about that because it was just <laughs> such great insight. So what are those questions, if you if you can remember them, and how do you develop leaders on your campus to enhance that empowerment piece? Well, I, I think the questions that um, you're referring to and, and those conversations on our Voxer group are so powerful because they do help me learn from others and it allows me to see different perspectives. Um, I think those questions we were referring to were last spring um, when we had a chance at my building to sit down with staff and we really just talked to them about reflecting about the past year with COVID in terms of instruction, what is some instructional practices they had to adapt to, but then also they have found that are actually working better that they want to continue into this coming year. And then we talked about some, in some ways, it's been like a time machine the school year this past year, because we had to really think outside of our comfort zones to evolve. So what we talked about, what are some ways that maybe now in 21, 22, that we want to continue to put into practice as educators. And then we talked about how are each of them as educators, how did they grow this past year so that they can understand that importance because they all grew in different ways. And I think as staff, sometimes we, as we go through things, we don't reflect enough to understand how did we grow. And by having those conversations, I think it allowed our staff to really be um, understanding they had a very successful year. It looked different, but they were still very successful. And we want them to continue to focus on their continual improvement as educators and their growth as leaders. And so as we bridge into this year, I think what I try to really strive to do is, as a building administrator is finding time for all of our teachers when they're in their lessons working with kids to get in their classrooms and give them some feedback upon their lessons. But also then those teachers that are coming to me that really want to be um, the mindset of being a leader, 
what I try to do is give them extra time of my time and extra efforts and sitting down with them and talking about where do they see themselves as a leader? Do they recognize what are their strengths? And then how can we put those strengths into our work in our building? And then really writing almost a growth plan in terms of like a 30, 60, 90 day in, intentional plan about what they're going to put into practice. And we do that not only to help them grow in their journey, but it also allows our building, I think, be able to pivot and adapt to changes in a much more meaningful way because we have a variety of people with a lot of skill sets. And it's not just me leading the work. It's a lot of times it's our staff. And I think the more that we can empower our staff and understand they are the difference is us. I mean, it's the people of a school building that make it go. And yes, the kids are why we are there, but it's our staff understanding how do we got to work with each other to provide for our kids that really makes the difference. And so I think in a school setting, the more you take time just to listen to your teachers, understand what are their strengths and where do they want to grow and then finding ways to tap into that, their, their strengths and help them because you learn through experience as leaders. And the more that we can give them real meaningful experiences, it's going to help them grow and be more passionate, even more about their work. And it's going to bring more people along with us. So those are some of the things we talked about last spring and then kind of setting the ground groundwork for this coming year. That's awesome, Chris. So you talked about working with strengths with people. And I feel like a lot of times that's missed as educators. I think this is natural. Everyone focuses on their weaknesses. What, what do I need to grow in? What do I need to fix? You know, the teacher evaluation system or principal evaluation system. It's always about what you need to tweak to get better where you're coming in and having that reflection process and, and trying to work with their strengths. So is that something that's hard to help teachers with and how are you evaluating them to find their strengths? Those are great questions. You know, I, I would say first, one thing that I probably differ than many, because when I think of leadership, I tend to really rely upon focusing on our strengths. It's important that we recognize, yes, what are we not as good at our weaknesses, but I always tell leaders, you need to spend 70 to 75% of your work in your strength zone and stretching yourself in your strength zone, because that's going to allow you to perform at a much higher level than focusing on your weaknesses, where you may only improve to a level three or four. Right. If you're in your strength zone and stretching yourself, you can become an eight, nine, or 10, where, you know, on a scale where 10 is highest. And so I think for teachers, sometimes they're so humble <laughs> and, and we're so hard on ourselves as educators. So a lot of times it's after seeing a classroom and talking to a teacher and, and just saying, you know, I really appreciate how you did X, Y, or Z. They may not even realize how good they are with that. And then just helping them to understand you really are strong in this area and then giving them that specific feedback, you know, what they did. And then helping them to understand, you know, I'm curious, would you be willing to help teacher X? Because I saw in their room, they have that desire, but I don't know if they understand how to connect this to that learning target. And you demonstrated that so well. Would you be willing to, you know, visit with them if I visit with them first to set up that conversation? And it's developing that mindset in a building where we want teachers developing as leaders so they feel comfortable enough going and helping others. So it's that, it's that shared leadership approach, I think, is what moves schools, moves the needle in terms of school improvement. It's when teachers are willing to share their insights with others and step out of their comfort zone because we all learn through doing. And when we see other people do things, that's when we are more you know, apt to learn and also demonstrate those same skills. 
This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. You talked about sitting down and working through a growth plan. And here in Texas, that's a dirty word. That's like, a, <laughs> you haven't done your job. You need to have a plan to get better, right? But right. you're using it in a really positive manner. And that's probably a better connotation for that term is sitting down and determining a plan for them to get the experiences that you're talking about. So if someone's listening and they haven't created an action plan for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and they want to get those opportunities to enhance their leadership, what are some things that they should be looking for and asking their administration to be a part of? I, I think they, they want to sit down with their administrator and make sure their administrator knows they want to grow. Because as a building administrator, my job is to help our teachers get better. And I do know they all care, but they also deserve, all of our educators deserve and administrators feedback and time and effort. And I know every administrator does aspire to do that. Sometimes at the busyness of the day, we all recognize it's limited or it, you know, it looks different from day to day. But I think that intentional conversation when the teacher visits with an administrator about this is what I'd like to get better in, you know, do you have any resources or ways that you recommend that I could try or I could consider? The conversation is the relationship that allows, you know, an administrator and a teacher or an instructional coach to really learn together about that process. And I think that growth plan, you're right. I think sometimes as the appraisal system, it sounds negative, but here we're talking about a leadership growth plan. So it's different. And what I would want someone to understand is that they need to focus on two or three areas where they're already fairly strong, but it's perhaps, you know, if you're talking about feedback, for example, in a classroom to students, perhaps it's how are you involving students in that feedback? Are you giving them feedback? And are they then, you know, they themselves, the students writing a reflection or writing their own growth target, what they want to aspire to, to achieve? So the more that we help teachers to understand how can they transform that environment so students are empowered in their learning, that is kind of the goal. That's what we want educators to do is the more that they can transform it to others because leadership is influence. It's nothing more, nothing less. So the more like in a classroom setting, we can have kids uh, be in, in charge of their own learning. That's one way, for example, with feedback is how do you get kids to be owning their learning in a positive way so they feel more empowered and passionate. It's not about the grade, it's about the learning. And so like through feedback as a administrator, how can I give that teacher one or two areas that they can work on in 30 days, give them some feedback and stretch themselves in the next, you know, 60 days. In a previous answer, you talked about the campus culture where there wasn't much opportunity for your teachers to grow as a leader, but there were also weren't many opportunities for your students to grow as leaders. So what are some things that you've done over the years to help build that culture of leadership, not only in your teachers, but also in your students? You know, and, and when I share this, I probably made some mistakes because I tried to go too fast. I'll be quite honest. And when I first started there, I was so passionate about students being a part of our school, being part of leading our work. Um, we basically created, um, we, we call them Eagle Ambassadors. So they are seventh and eighth grade students that lead sixth grade activities. And not only at the beginning of the year, but they speak at parent events, you know, back to school night. And I was so passionate about trying to provide this for our kids that I myself as a principal directly helped work with these students, which was great. I loved it. I enjoyed it. And I think there's value in them seeing your principal doing that. 
but I, you know, in, over year two and three, I started thinking it's great that I'm doing it, but our teachers need to lead it. Our teachers are the ones working with kids. So now where we're at is we have teachers that are actually doing it. And I kind of lead from the side. I'm still involved, but I'm not directly leading it much more. We try to have teachers help lead it because they are with the kids day to day. There's a little more, I think, authenticity with the teachers leading it, a little more ownership. And the more that we have the teachers leading it, they themselves, the teachers are growing as leaders because they're learning how to communicate, how to plan, how to deliver, how to have a vision for where they want that to go. So that, that's an example of just one program. We started in year one and we're still running it now and you're starting in year six. And then I think we also included, you know, student feedback where we call it RSVP. It's something I got from Jimmy Casas, basically raising student voice and participation is what it stands for. And so, you know, twice a month, um, our kids during their homeroom time, they come and they they basically visit with administrators and teachers in small groups. And we ask them questions about our teaching and learning about our building. And I think just listening to our kids, it helps us to understand like, okay, we're not we're not seeing the same challenges our kids are. We've got to get a little deeper and understand what's blocking this for our kids or what is going well that we can celebrate. And then we share those themes from those conversations back to our staff. So what it does also is provides a way for students to share back with our staff in a way that we are constantly getting feedback from our students. And it keeps us, I think, a little more focused, a little more everyone rowing the boat in the same direction as a school because we're focused on the same two or three school goals. And those are just two examples of ways that we provided opportunities for any student to help lead, to be more empowered in our school. And now we're trying to get our teachers to help also be a part of that work. So they themselves are understanding the importance of really working with our kids and how do you lead those conversations and how do you have a vision for your school? Chris, I'm curious, going back to what you were saying, you said uh, that you only want to focus on what you can control. Obviously, with the school year beginning, there feels like there's a lot of things that we don't have control over as administrators. But I'm just wondering, what are you most excited for the upcoming school year? There are a lot of things that I'm looking forward to. I think about our eighth grade students um, in a middle school. We have them, you know, grade six through eight. And I just think about how they have grown in the last two years. But their middle school experience has really been impacted by COVID. And So I'm excited for them as they begin eighth grade. And I just, you know, we talked last year as a staff about how those eighth graders are only in eighth grade once. And same way with this year, you know, they're only in eighth grade once. And I'm excited for our kids and I've seen them grow. I've gotten to know their families through conversations, through their work with our school. So I'm excited for their eighth grade year. And I, I really want us to, no matter where this year goes and travels and bends and twists and turns, that we've got to keep our focus on what's in front of us, which is the next day working with our kids. And there will be hills and valleys, you know, ups and downs. And you know this, Josh, that I think as administrators, educators, we all have tough moments, but I remind myself we never have tough days. And if we can just bring our best version of ourselves every day for our kids, we're going to have a great school year. And, And so that's what I'm excited about, I think, is just trying to meet that challenge that I know that our kids need, because I think they need our educators to be there, that pillar of hope and consistency for them. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So Chris, if there's someone listening right now that over the summer, they've decided that I want to be a leader on my campus or in my district, what is something they can do tomorrow or next week to help their leadership journey? 
That's, that's a great question. And I think, you know, early on in my own leadership journey, when I was a teacher and a coach, I, I saw others growing into, you know, head coaching roles or going into instructional coaches, academic deans or assistant principals. And, and I recognized the, the people who were able to, I don't use the analogy of move, but those who were able to be in that transition to those higher level and leadership positions they had someone who was supporting their work, someone who was kind of coaching them, someone at least was their cheerleader and supporting them when they had a bad day or actually like modeling the appropriate, you know, steps of leadership. So I would encourage someone who has those aspirations to find someone within their building, their district, or perhaps outside their district that they recognize does things really well with leadership or the position that they want to be in and they reach out to them and let them know that they would like to grow in their journey. And could they, from time to time, you know, check in with this person and seek their input, seek their advice? Because I think so many educators truly find joy in helping others, but I think so often we're hesitant to ask for that help. So my simple um, recommendation would be is find someone who has those leadership skills. They've demonstrated with integrity and competence, they do their job well and reach out to them saying that they want to grow and they want to seek that person's assistance. Cause I think generally people would be very accommodating to help others. Yeah, most definitely. So in your own journey, did you seek out someone or was there multiple people that you had as a mentor or a coach to get you to the next level? I've had some. And back in the day when I was a high school teacher, I met during, I gave it my plan period and met with the building principal and it was his idea. So the credit goes to, to John Laurie. We just did in-basket activities, conversations, you know, about administration. Because at that point, I wasn't an administrator. I was a teacher. But just having those conversations really allowed me to understand the complexity of leading the building and what does that involve. But that also made me more passionate. And as I've gone on in, into administration now, there's been times I have seeked out people who are very you know effective in their work and just try to listen to them ask a few questions and listen and and see how they behave in terms of their their work ethic and their work itself in the building but i try to really learn from them so i've reached out to people on my own because i recognize each of us is responsible for our own learning there's very few people who are going to come tap you on the shoulder and say hey would you like some time i'd like to help you because I think we're all so busy. It's not that we don't care. I think we do. It's just we're all so busy. So I've learned over the last several years that it's my responsibility to make that phone call, you know, send that email. Hey, can I give you a call sometime about X, Y, and Z? And if I initiate it, people will be helpful, but they may not always be the first to reach out to you. Yeah, people are really giving other time and, and their resources and wisdom when, when you do reach out. But you do have to knock on that door. The door is not just going to open for you. So Chris, community is a huge piece for both myself and for you. Connecting with other like-minded educators is really important also. So how can they connect with you on social media? I, I really use a couple different social media platforms. Uh, Twitter is probably one of my main social media sites. And my address is C Leglighter. And I also use Voxer quite a bit. That's just uh, C Leglighter 9603. Um, those are probably the two primary means for people to reach out to me. And I'm always willing and able to help other people. I think it's important that we help each other. Sometimes it may take a day or so in the busy lives we lead, but I think, you know, I recognize if someone reaches out, they're making that first attempt. I think it's all of our moral responsibility to help other educators grow. 
because when we do that, we're creating a stronger, basically school system, no matter where we live for others. And that's really the, the, the win-win, so to speak. So yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, I'd be more glad to connect with them and learn with them, but also uh, provide the time and support to help them. Chris is amazing. You definitely need to connect with him. And then if you are looking for community, obviously our Aspire Boxer group is available to anyone that's listening. So just reach out to myself or Chris about that. We'd love to have you a part of the group, especially during this difficult time. I know for myself, and I don't want to speak for you, Chris, but you know there, there were some really tough, difficult days that I leaned heavily on our Aspire community. And it really helped get me through a difficult year. So I just want to offer that up to any aspiring leader listening or any current leader. Chris, you're amazing, man. I, I just really value you, uh-huh. you and your experience and what you bring to our Voxer community. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. And I would also echo that having uh, a, a PLN or other leaders that you can connect with this past year, it's always essential, but this past year, just having them to laugh with, uh, sometimes almost cry with, and just share frustrations and ideas, it definitely allowed me to navigate through the year. And I will rely upon all those same people this coming year. So it's definitely, we're better together. Thank you for allowing me to join you tonight.